0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mindful eating really is about like the actual presence and the experience that you're having around your mealtime. Just know that you can make it more modern and realistic to fit into your lifestyle. If you just think of mindful eating as being, am I focused on what to eat, how I'm eating, why I'm eating, and then other items like when and where I'm eating.
1: Let's take a breath. <sighs> hey guys, I'm Cindy Latwaco, and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. If you're new, I'm just so happy that you're here. If you're coming back, I'm also so happy that you're here. I'm excited for today's episode. So I actually already recorded an intro, edited it all together, and then I was like, but I can't not talk about The Bachelorette because it happened this week. The finale was Monday. And it was pretty interesting, I think, to me. And I'm going to go full disclosure here. I feel like this entire season, not because of Katie, I was just kind of one foot in, one foot out. I watched it. I would ask you guys questions about it, but I really wasn't like glued to the screen. I probably never really am with that show. But So I I can't say that I watched it like a true fan, um, but I did watch this season. And I watched last night, but I actually watched – Nick and I are obsessed with Darcy and Stacy. Um, they're they're from 90-day fiance. Day. They're these twins who are absolutely ridiculous. And they're literally the best form of TV out there. Cause they are just so, like I said, ridiculous. For example, they got hair extensions last week, and before they decided to attach them to their head, they always do this um ceremony with sage and they sage the bad juju out of their hair extensions um before they put them on their head so that's just an example of how that show goes so i i love that mindless kind of tv sometimes and darcy and stacy took paramount to the bachelorette for me so i watched like the second half of the show so i didn't see the first beginning part so i don't really even know what happened with justin he was just all of a sudden wasn't there and blake was going um to meet katie's family so that's where i started First of all, holy Aunt Lindsay. Aunt Lindsay came in so hot. And I was comparing them on Instagram to Barb and Aunt Lindsay because they had kind of the same energy of just like anger. (laughs) Um, But some people seem to think that Aunt Lindsay was even more angry. It's weird. Like I was wondering if she had watched the show and, you know, had hangups about what she saw and then decided that she's going to come in with all of these like very scary questions and Was going to really lay into Blake because I feel like most parents, even if they're upset about what's going on or if they don't support what's happening with the show, they still have, you know, they still try and, you know, put on a nice face. They're on TV. But she really was like, no, I'm going in. I'm going to dig my heels in. I'm going to get what I want to know from Blake. And I found that hilarious. Um, I think he did really well. I know. I mean, that would have been hard for anyone, even in real life. If someone's aunt came at me like that, I would have wanted to go hide in a hole. So I will commend Blake on just taking that um, because they really came for him. But in the end, it seemed like they kind of resolved and felt like in a good place. They just seemed to have a lot of questions about what was going on. One of the biggest parts of Monday night was the talk between Katie and Greg, which we were all kind of waiting for. And I think I found this hilarious too. I had asked you guys or I asked Instagram about who side everyone was on with the argument. Originally, it was about the breakup, which I think if we had questions about that breakup, I think a really good source was Back to Love Doc, who we've had on the podcast before. She does such a good job of explaining where people are coming from on the show through the lens of how they date, um, what their attachment styles are. And just what they might be bringing to the table for the emotions that you're seeing. I think a lot of the times you watch the show and you just see the emotions, but you don't necessarily think about like where are those coming from? Like where are those rooted from? Like what has happened to those people before going on the show that is making them react in these ways? So I think that's a really good listen. I think she does a great job. She has a video on her Instagram that explains all of that. Um, So she's a great source. But basically, from the breakup, I saw both sides. I'm on a I'm on both sides here and I I like to see it from both people's perspectives and I could understand it from both sides and Uh, I just found it hilarious how divided everyone was about this topic. Like, I had people on one side of my DMs being so supportive of Katie and saying that she did no wrong, blah, 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 and the same exact opposite thing in support of Greg. So I just found that so interesting that we could be so divided on one topic and it just kind of a reflection of how the world is right now, which is kind of interesting. So from what I gathered from that first breakup was that Greg was heartbroken and that he wanted something that was real that was outside of the show he wanted to be the one he wanted all the rules and everything to kind of go out the window he wanted katie to break those rules for him essentially because in his eyes that meant love that meant like if she is willing to run into the sunset with me and leave this all behind us then she truly loves me And Katie had very strong boundaries for herself, which I highly respect with the role of the bachelorette. She wanted to make sure that she didn't tell any guy until the end that she loved them. She wanted to stay true to that. And she wanted to only say it to one person because we've seen in the past when The Bachelor or Bachelorette says it to multiple people, it doesn't end up so well for that couple in the end. So I think she was just holding true to those boundaries and I respect it. But because of that, she almost held back with Greg, almost held back in her maybe emotions or what she was feeling at the time. Or maybe she just didn't actually love him at that time and she didn't want to say it and he needed her to say it for him to stay. I just, I could see the emotions of both people and I felt for both of them in that moment. And then with the talk that happened after the final rose, Katie, I'm almost like, did Aunt Lindsay coach Katie on this, um, what she was going to say? It just felt very hostile. And not even, like I understand she was, she has every right to be upset and to still carry those emotions, but it felt just like a little, not performative, but it just felt like a lot. And I think she started realizing it towards the end because she did feel like she kind of you know, lessened the anger um, towards the end of it. But yeah, I just felt it felt to me like there was still some unresolved feelings, whether that means she still likes him or was in love with him. I don't know. But I think as far as just like the feelings and the emotions were still there for her, which is interesting because then some people were like, well, how is she in love with Blake if she's still feeling like this or angry towards Greg? So I don't I don't have an answer to that. But I just felt like something was unresolved. And I think Greg was still staying true to the fact that he wanted he wanted her to show that he, she loved him in that moment and she didn't. And that's why he was so hurt. And I don't think he – I think he maybe regretted some of the ways that he handled it, but I it ultimately felt like they were not meant to be because of what's happened. But again, I think Back to Love Doc is the one to really go to to break all those things down as far as like what could be happening here emotionally and stuff like that. When Katie said that she, when Greg left, that her feelings also left with him, I didn't fully believe her when she said that. I'm not sure if she believed herself. So I don't know. I, I feel like she is trying her best to overcome the emotions that she felt. And this is her way of dealing with it by just staying strong and putting up almost a wall to Greg and to That whole relationship, she's just has these strong walls up that she's built maybe just to protect herself. And she was not letting him break down those walls whatsoever last night. And again, I love both of them. It's not like I'm going to pick sides here. I just think they're not bad people at all. I just think they just went through something hard and they're kind of dealing with the aftermath of that. And the funniest thing about that was at the end when Greg was like, I truly do wish you well, though. Like, I wish you all the best. And she was like, I wish you well, too. She didn't really want to say that, but she knew that she had to. She's on TV. She had to be nice about it. And she really didn't seem like she wished him well. I'm sure she does. But I think, again, she was just not feeling that conversation. And then they got engaged. Are we surprised that they got engaged? I was a little surprised just because... Blake just seemed, and this has everything to do with editing always, just he just seemed very like, I don't know what to do. I don't know why, what I'm doing. It was awkward that they made him pick him out with Tasha because they technically dated at one point. So yeah, it was just uncomfortable. But I mean, I'm happy for her that she got engaged. I think she is definitely ready for that um, part of her life. And I I wish them all the best. It almost felt like it didn't necessarily need to end like that for both of them. And I would have respected it if they would just like went and dated, but they got engaged. And it's funny that she didn't tell her family until um, she let the, her family find out with the world, which I also found interesting. So I'm not sure. I wouldn't say like they they were the most – like I wouldn't have necessarily picked them out from the beginning of, for getting engaged at the end. But here we are. The, the show can surprise you. But I'm happy that she's happy. And I'm happy that she, you know, made it out with a success story, um, I guess, in regards to how the show works. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm hoping to have Katie on the podcast. I'm working hard to reach out to her because I think she's awesome. And I would love to hear the other sides and the emotions that go behind being in such a strong role like that and just kind of her experience on the journey. So I'm hoping for that. Wish me luck. Send me good vibes on getting her to agree. But we will see. Um we have Mikkel on the podcast today, guys. So she is well known for her Instagram nutrition Stripped. She's a licensed nutritionist and she has so much to offer on the front of nourishment. That is her kind of entire brand is this idea of nourishment around food, which I think we've all we all tend to forget. I know I do. I just rush through my lunch to get to talk to you on this podcast. So I just love what she has to offer on the front of changing our mindset around food and eating, and I think for me, for example, I've because of the work and the line of work that I've been in with dancing, I have certain hangups around food and how I eat, and I've worked very hard since being kind of out of that world of dance and dancing professionally. For now, I've just worked on not seeing food and as good and bad as I used to do in the past and just having a little bit more of a positive relationship with food and exercise. Um, I never starved myself or had an eating disorder, luckily. I know many people struggle with that and I feel for anyone that has struggled with that is currently struggling, struggling with it. But I did restrict a lot and I did really spend a lot of my head space and a lot of my time thinking about what I was eating, when I was eating, if this was good, if it was bad, and it just took up so much of my time. and robbing myself of time, that's all we really have in life is time, um, because it's constantly slipping away. So robbing myself and my thoughts of just constantly thinking about that, I just robbed myself of a lot. I love what she talks about and how she gives really like practical tips on how to learn to nourish yourself in the right way to get back into your intuition around food because I know for a while I did lose my intuition on what I should be eating, how I should be feeling around food, how all of those things because I just put so much restrictions on myself in the past. So this episode is really lovely. I think you're going to love Michaela. I've followed her for a long time now. She's a great follow. She is helpful tips, recipes. She's so knowledgeable and is just such a light. And she's a fellow Ohio girl. So she was born and raised in Ohio, which I love. Um, So definitely share this episode with someone who maybe has the same hangups, who wants to get back in touch with nourishment or intuitive eating, or just feel good in their bodies. I think Mikkel is a great source for that. So share this one with your friends, your family, whoever. Let me know how you felt about The Bachelorettes. Hopefully, I won't get too many hate DMs for the things I just said because I feel like this season or just lately, it's just been so divided. Anyways, sending love. Enjoy this episode with Mikkel, you guys, before you go. I love a positive review. If you want to give me a five-star review so I can keep growing the podcast and the Something to Share community, I would love it. So without further ado, guys, here is Mikkel. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about this. Mikkel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, my fellow Thank you for former me. Ohio girl. Um, thanks for being <laughs> here. Um, how are you today?
0: I am excellent. Yes, I love that we have that Cincinnati, Ohio touch point. Yes, born and raised for me, but I know you're just enjoying enjoying uh, Cincinnati for the first time. So it's been treating me so well
1: so far, and I've loved every person that I've met from here. So I'm sure that we'll get along nicely. Before we jump into the all of the questions I have for you, can you just give everyone kind of like a breakdown of who you are, your work, what your background is, and what you do?
0: Yeah. So, my name is Mikel Kalinga. I'm a registered dietitian. And I have, let's see, I started Nutrition Stripped almost nine years ago to this date. And my passion, my purpose, um, what lights me up every day is really helping people navigate mindful eating and balanced eating. So, really creating those habits for like true, what I call like true nourishment. Um, There's so many diets out there and trends and products and it could be so confusing. So I really like to take that mystery and the myth and the confusion away from that and make it really simple and teach people how to not only nourish themselves well, because of course that is a huge component of mindful eating, But also how to enjoy food because that is part of our life too. So that is that's what I love talking about, and I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of that today. So I'm excited. I'm excited
1: too. We definitely are, and I love food more than anything, and I love to talk about it, and I love the what you do as far as getting people back to that like intuition and the idea of nourishing because I feel like especially now that is not very clear for a lot of people. And I love that you have been doing this for so long. Clearly what you do is working and you're helping so many people. And I'm excited to kind of get this message out further to all of my listeners today. So Thank you for what you
0: do. Thank you. I'm grateful.
1: Before we get into all of that, um, I ask everyone's, every person that comes on here, the same questions as far as like bringing something to share. So I usually ask someone to bring something either from their nightstand, something surprising, or something with an interesting backstory. So, Mikel, do you have something today to kind of share with us?
0: I do. I thought it would be really fun to share my nightstand. Mm -hmm. I also maybe I'm biased because I really like listening to other people's like morning routines or their products that they're loving, all of that good stuff. But mine seems very simple because it is, but it's powerful. And it's a really, really big glass of water. Water or some herbal infusion, which I really love making herbal infusion is kind of like another variation of a tea. Mm-hmm. So you use herbal plant medicines like nettle or chamomile or lavender or something really lovely. And I do that not only again for that physical nourishment to make sure I'm hydrated, but you know, habits, especially around our health and eating habits can be so hard to implement number one, number two, change, but also number three, even maintain. And so when you think about like, okay, how can I make this the path of least resistance? When I look at that glass of water, I immediately am reminded of my intention behind pouring that glass of water, which for me is like, hey, I want to be hydrated. I want my brain to be sharp. I just want to feel good. Um, I want to make sure I'm drinking enough water. It could be something as simple as that. And so having that visual cue, as soon as I go to bed, But also more importantly for me, I use it when I wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. So when I wake up, I see it in the morning and I hydrate first thing in the morning. It starts me off on a really positive note because, again, I'm reminded of that intention of saying, oh, okay, I did this the night before so I could actually execute this in a way that was really easy. Cause that's another thing I like to make healthy habits so easy so that you can actually, again, like take action on them. Mm-hmm. So I have that, I hydrate, I'm reminded of that nourishment for myself. And then in addition to water or some type of you know, herbal infusion, if I'm feeling a little fancy, I like to always have a journal nearby. Mm-hmm. And so the journal is an addition for my morning practice. Mm. So you see my nightstand actually doesn't really have much to do with my nighttime routine, but it has everything to do with setting myself up for success and like kind of getting on that right foot first thing in the morning. Mm. And so my journal, um, it really depends on the day and what I'm kind of feeling. But when I wake up in the morning, I love to just take a few minutes to just you know, I'm awake, but I'm just eyes closed, breathing, just like allowing whatever is coming up in my mind to be without judgment, without yeah, saying like this is a right or wrong thought. And that's a lot of mindfulness and Mm -hmm. teaching and having that level of compassion with yourself to just be like, okay, this is what it is. And so some days I'll, you know, start off with like a million to-do lists and other days I just feel really peaceful and easy. And so whatever that is, Whatever side of the spectrum, I take it to my journal and I kind of just do a little brain dump. And sometimes that helps me just mentally get to more of like a blank slate Mm -hmm. where I can go, okay, how am I going to nourish myself today? What exciting thing am I going to get into today that's really going to nourish myself? And I find when I like ask myself those questions that are a little bit more visionary, imaginative, like fun and magical, Mm -hmm. it makes me more prone to like look for those moments during the day Mm -hmm. too. Or just again, maybe it's a subconscious thing, but it sets me up for success so that during the day I can find those little moments of joy that contribute to my nourishment, whether it's in a food or a meal that I cook or glass of water or a conversation that I have with a great friend or colleague or anything like that. So those would be two things on my nightstand that, again, really set me up for the next day.
1: I love that because it just embodies kind of everything that you represent, but it's such a simple practice. It, it, not a lot of people would think like, oh, if I just write out some thoughts in the morning, how much that can affect the rest of your day. Because I started that practice as well. Like sometimes it'll just be like you said, a to-do list where I'm like, okay, this is my plan for the day. Or sometimes I'm like, no, I need to unpack whatever emotions I'm kind of waking up with, which is kind of interesting because you go to sleep and you think it's like a reset. But for sometimes I wake up and I'm bringing something from my dreams or something from the day before, whatever's kind of going on. So I love that you have that like set basis for yourself. And the water thing is so huge and we all forget about just like hydrating. I mean, I keep this gigantic – this is 40 ounces with me at all yeah. times. It's like my um, it. emotional support water bottle, so I totally get that. But yeah, <laughs> it's so simple but something that can really affect how your day is kind of set up. But I'm wondering then if you're drinking this much water or like a pre-bed drink, do you wake up a lot to go to the bathroom? <laughs>
0: Well, so yeah, I normally don't drink that glass of water at night. Mm. I tend to drink like tea after dinner and maybe a few glasses. And so, yeah, I try, I definitely try to use the bathroom before, so I don't interrupt my sleep and then, um, just really hydrating a lot in the morning. So that would be a tip, just like separate the time. Yeah. If that's, if that's an issue, cause you don't want to mess up your sleep either. That's a huge thing too. But, um, Yeah. 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 And that's so great too, Sydney, that you've already been journaling and experimenting with that. And you have that integrated into your habits, no matter what it is with work, with life, with your health. It's such a powerful tool, but there's something when you put pen to paper with your intentions, with processing your thoughts, even just writing out your goals, there's just a level, there's a level of uh, self accountability there. That can be really supportive. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I know. It doesn't even have to really look like anything that someone could pick up and read as a book. Like sometimes it's just complete nonsense, like scribbled on a piece of paper that no one would really understand. And sometimes I don't even read it back. Sometimes I just like dump it out and then close it and then put it away. So yeah, it's such yeah. an easy thing to kind of incorporate. So I love that you do that. Um, you mentioned one thing at the beginning of this this idea of like nourishment. And I'm wondering what that means for you, because it's kind of like what your brand is based around and like what you do for your clients is this like idea of nourishment. So for you, Mikkel, like what is that uh, def- definition mm-hmm. of nourishment for you?
0: Yeah, I love the word nourishment as well, because I it is general enough in the sense that we all can slowly attach like our ideas of nourishment to it, just like the word health mm-hmm. as well, or healthy we all have such different, or even success, for that matter. Um, we have so many different definitions to that, and pillars of what that actually means. When we really connect, like on a core level of who you are, who you want to be, what is, how does that show up in your life? So for me, nourishment is really honoring the fact that, you know, yes, of course, food and nutrition in general nourish your body on a cellular level. We have these beautiful physical, capable bodies that we need to show up in the world with, to hug, to speak, to cook food, to do so many amazing things in this world. So, of course, we have to address that physical nourishment. And that's why eating well or eating nutrient-dense foods are a part of that. But in addition to that, and that's where I think a lot of, you know, kind of diets and programs and trends miss the mark is because they're so heavily focused on that one side of the spectrum, but actually there's a completely other side of the spectrum, which is about the many, the many roles that food plays in our life with social, Mm -hmm. with connection, with nostalgia, with experiencing our culture, our traditions. Um, There's so many just beautiful ways that also food like in a way, communicates with each other. And it's just a really wonderful thing to honor that enjoyment side of things, Mm -hmm. uh, side of things. So having that two, having those two sides of the spectrum play with each other, for me is what means uh, for, for me is what means balance.
1: I know that's what's fun, like interesting about food. It's because we all take part of it in it every day. But they're also like you mentioned the culture part, like you don't really think about that every day where you're like, Oh this dish came from this country or like how that's kind of it comes from like ancestors and all these things that go into food but a lot of times we're just like okay I'm hungry I'm shoving things in my mouth or I'm bored or like whatever food kind of is for each person but when you kind of break it down and get to that like sole purpose for what food is supposed to be. It's kind of um, interesting. And that idea of nourishment, I, I love because I think that's what a lot of people are missing nowadays. And sometimes a lot for me, I'm missing that aspect where I'm just like so hungry that I'm shoveling food in my mouth. And I'm like, did I even eat? <laughs> like, am I even full? Because it's just like my mind wasn't in the process of it. So yeah, that's really beautiful.
0: Yeah, Sydney. And that is such a common like challenge point too with, mindful eating in general. So like, I like to think about just in case you're listening, and you're like, what is mindful eating? Mm-hmm. You know, mindful eating really is about like the actual presence and the experience that you're having around your mealtime. And so many times, if I bring up mindful eating, people are like, oh, well, you have to have the whole stage set and the beautiful dinner plate and the candles and like everything's got to be perfect. And you have to be fully at peace and zened out to enjoy your meal. Mm-hmm. Now that could be an amazing tool and it can work for a lot of people, but just know that you can make it more modern and realistic to fit into your lifestyle. If you just think of mindful eating as being, am I focused on what to eat, how I'm eating, why I'm eating and then other items like when and where I'm eating. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about it in that way, you can really start to get more tangible about it and it can feel a little bit less like abstract. And that of course, like plays hand in hand with balanced eating. Cause that's what I was talking about with that spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's like you have this one side that's fully in the nutrient dense foods. Maybe you're on the go or you're trying to be like quote perfect or clean eating. So you're hanging out on that side. So, so much. And then on the other side, you were only engaging in those enjoyment foods. So it's like that balance and that mindfulness really come when both can be integrated and you can pay attention to that experience. Like you said, like checking in with your hunger levels before a meal, during a meal, after. So you could just check in and be like, hey, like how hungry was I going into this meal And I ate this size portion, for example, and then after this meal, I was left feeling this type of hunger. So it really helps you just be more in tune before, during, and after. So it's the whole experience.
1: I completely agree. I'm wondering then like how important is like your energy or your mindset when you're sitting down to a meal on digestion? Like does that have a huge effect on like how we process foods or does it not really matter to certain people? Like what does that affect on like your energy and your mindset sitting down for a meal and then how you digest that food?
0: Yeah. I would think like take the example that you were just saying when you're go, 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 and you have a quick meal. You might even be like literally eating on the go or rushing. I think that's a huge part is where we just eat so fast that we might not even be properly chewing our food. That's actually Mm. one of the most like common things I see that and then also feeling bloated or having gas Mm. after a meal. And that literally could be remedied or at least attempted to remedy just by taking a little bit more time just before your meal, even if it's like one minute or if you're really tight for time, or if you're just trying it, take a few deep breaths just to start mm-hmm. to rem- like kind of switch up your nervous system. Cause if you're in like, go, 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 go mode, I'm checking off all these to-do lists. You're in that fight, flight, or freeze. You want to mm-hmm. activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. So even just taking a few deep breaths before your meal can not only like on a physiological level, just calm you out (laughs) so that you're not just speeding through it. And, um, but also you're able to have a little bit more time and space to just be with your food. And again, to then start to ask those questions like, Hey, where's my hunger level at? How am I feeling right now? Am I scrolling my phone right now? Or can I put that away? Are there a lot of distractions around me? So it allows you to create that little extra space so that not only are you digesting your food better, you're chewing slowly. So that's going to help support your digestion, but you're also more present with your food. And so you can then check into during your meal, like, Hey, how am I feeling? Um, am I feeling bloated afterwards? Was I rushing in the meal? So those are just Mm -hmm. a few tiny little actionable, like key items that somebody could do today.
1: Yeah, that's major and something that we easily forget. And I've heard people like do tricks like use chopsticks or something for a meal that you wouldn't normally just to kind of slow yourself down. So I think there's like fun ways of doing that just to kind of check yourself. I think it's good to do that from time to time. Um is there yeah. like a lot do you like a lot a certain amount of time and like for a meal in your day to like allow this time for nourishment? Is that kind of scheduled into your day for you or do you just kind of like intuitively know like how long you should be eating or like how long that process should be for you?
0: Yeah, that's an amazing question, Sydney. I want to go back really quick because I loved that you called out the idea of having some little tiny like hacks and tips like chopsticks or something. Mm -hmm. Another one is really common where you can use your fork or whatever your utensil that Mm -hmm. you are using, including chopsticks, and um, enjoy the food per bite and kind of let it be. Another little tip, when I mean, let it be, I just mean, put it back on the plate so that you are hands-free and you're actually just focusing on chewing. And then that second part to that would be just to make sure that you're chewing enough. So if you're eating a salad, if you can chew it to the point where it's almost like a puree or almost like mm-hmm. a liquid, which I know sounds really weird for so many people because we're just not used to chewing our food like properly. And yeah. then same goes with smoothies, which seems really weird because mm-hmm. when you're drinking a smoothie, you have a straw typically, or you're taking it from the cup and it's really easy to swallow. But if you could just even swish it swish it around your mouth, just to almost chew that, That Mm -hmm. can not only activate some of your uh, digestive enzymes in the mouth, kind of priming your stomach for, hey, I'm about to eat a meal versus just like chugging a smoothie with a lot of ingredients potentially. So those little things can just help you. Again, it's all about creating a little bit more space than you had previously for that meal experience. And that can kind of just help people to get a little bit more tangible with spacing out the meal. With how I, quote, like Mm -hmm. schedule my meals or how I eat, um, I So my story in terms of my health journey as well, like I used to be that type of person early, like pre in my career in terms of undergrad and grad school, going to be a dietitian. When I was really heavily like dieting and trying all of these diets, I was so focused on that like perfectionist mindset and that all or nothing mindset. So Mm -hmm. I would be that type of person in the past to eat per schedule. So it would be like 12 o'clock and I'd be like, oh, I got to eat. Or, oh, it's five o'clock, I have to eat dinner, or it's two o'clock in the afternoon, I have to eat a snack. And so I used to be that type of person who would eat by the clock versus ever just taking one minute of a pause to be like, hey, am I actually hungry right now? Like, am I physically hungry right now? And if I am, what kind of hunger level am I experiencing right now? And also, how am I going to eat to reflect that? you know, so does my portion need to be bigger because I exercised a lot today, or I was walking what felt like 20 miles on campus at Ohio State, or, you know, just, just those, just those questions of actually taking into consideration my unique body and my unique life for that day. So Mm -hmm. I used to be that type of person. And so now, you know, after I've done so much work, you know, for over a decade, not only in mindful and, and balanced eating, but really embodying that and practicing it myself. So how I have found a really nice quote balance for me is having some ranges, you know? So in the morning, if I'm like, you know, I typically wake up around five or six, then I'm going to, I'm going to like check in with myself maybe around eight or nine after I work out and kind of have my morning routine and just see what my hunger level is like at that hour. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, choose one of my top three favorite breakfasts. Based on that, you know, based Mm -hmm. on what am I feeling? Like, what am I craving? What am I naturally leaning into? So as we're recording this, this is summer and Tennessee summers are hot. So (laughs) my favorite breakfast these days are anything that's like really simple and cool. So basically like smoothies and yogurt bowls are heavy in my rotation or maybe like some chia seed pudding or something. Mm -hmm. So I'll just like ask myself, okay, what am I craving? Like, what am I feeling for today? Um, and then again, like eat a portion based on my hunger levels. And if this all also sounds really abstract Mm. and you're like, whoa, whoa, how do you do this? Um, that's also why I created the mindful nutrition method, which is an entire group program where I really educate people and give them all the tools, um, based on my own experience and coaching thousands on how to do this, but it is really possible. And it's not as hard as this may seem, but it's really empowering when you can go from like where I was eating per the clock, almost mm-hmm. on an alarm clock. And then to have the freedom to just be like, hey, when do I need to eat? What am I feeling like right now at this hour? So for me, having that like flexible framework of saying like, okay, like I know I want to eat breakfast. I know I want a nice lunch and a dinner. And I have some like time frames where I check in with myself, then that's great. And then sometimes in between meals, I'm a huge tea drinker. So oftentimes when I'm like standing up and I'm making tea or some type of herbal infusion, I'll literally just take a moment to be like, hey, where are my hunger levels at? Like, do I need a snack mm. right now? Because every day is really different. And, and yeah. that's also a huge part of honoring like your schedule or how to create that like consistent balanced eating habit. And, and um, in general, it's just to be able to check in with yourself and honor, hey, every day is going to be so unique. I might be gardening one day or I might be like sitting on my couch watching Netflix and chilling out with my husband and our dog. So like I might not want to eat as much. So it's really important to check in and just know that every day is going to be unique and that you can get away from just looking at a clock and eating for what you think you should eat.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's huge because sometimes it can be very daunting when you want to take on like a new eating habit or a new routine. But then if it feels like it's like regimented or there's certain diets that push, like you have to fast and you have to wait until this hour to eat and you have to do all of these constraint like within constraints of like when you're supposed to eat, how you're supposed to eat. It kind of brings it back to just like yourself, your body, your own needs based on like what you're exerting that day, like what energy you need, like how you're feeling. Um, So it's a great, I think, goal to have for everyone to get to that place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sydney, you brought up such a great point as well with having such structure or routine or feeling really rigid in eating habits. And that often is found in those diets, you know, whether it's like a five day Mm -hmm. detox or 30 day plan, X, Y, Z, they're so focused on that short-term result and also giving you like so many rules to follow. Also, like how do people, like how do brands and diets and trends and all of that expect people to read this and then overnight immediately implement like 12 to 20 new habits or practices Mm -hmm. because they have to follow this again, strict schedule or strict recipes and then in addition to that, like have good or bad or clean or dirty foods that they can or can't eat or that are off limits. So it's just so overwhelming. And mm-hmm. also another element to that is just it's just not sustainable because if you've ever tried one of those before, even if, even if you've just tried one, which I would assume so many of us, especially women, like we've tried so many diets and everything. So and <laughs> like, if we just took a second to be like, okay, I'm really feeling like I should start a diet again. But if you just took a minute to reflect and say, yeah, but how did all of those other diets I tried, how did they actually pan out for me? Did they work? Are they Mm -hmm. sustainable? Am I on them today? There's a reason for that. And so that's why I really am so passionate about this concept of just balanced eating and really understanding that you, you can have both and you can do both. And it can be so unique to your body, to your lifestyle. It could be really sustainable because again, balanced eating honors what we were talking about earlier. It's like you honor that nourishment side of the food spectrum, but you're also nourishing that enjoyment side and all of those other amazing experiences that food allows you to do. And so when you don't have that, you're not, you're not really able to live in that balance. You're constantly swinging from one side to the other. And it's so exhausting, Mm -hmm. like so exhausting physically, mentally, spiritually. So yeah, I'm, um, balanced eating is really the way to, to remedy that.
1: Yeah. It seems like it's more of a lifestyle versus just like a hack or a temporary time of being, because I've done all of those diets and like they can work, they can get like certain goals. But again, that sustainability aspect that you brought up, like it's very hard to maintain and have a life. Like, for example, if I'm on like a certain keto diet and it's summer and I want to go out my f- with my friends and I like can't have French fries or I can't have wine, it's just like all of those things kind of – it just is it worth it? Then it's just because I like have to stay to these strict guidelines and it, for me it wasn't. So I love that you have your form of like just nourishing and creating a different lifestyle that's still healthy but also just making your body feel good and I love that. I'm wondering with like the work that you do or without, like if there's anything that's kind of come up lately or something that's kind of been what you've been thinking about with what you do or helping people that's kind of been like on your heart or mind lately.
0: Yeah, Sydney, we're so aligned on that because one thing you just brought up like social interactions, social gatherings, being with friends and food. And that has been a lot on my mind lately, not only because it's Mm -hmm. summer and people are getting together. um, You have, I mean, tons of like diet language around hot girl summer, whatever. I don't even know if that's, (laughs) if that's like the (laughs) tagline, but you know, there's just so many like diets and gimmicks out there that are not only like trying to loop people in that way into dieting unnecessarily, but also we have, again, that food experience that all of us are starting to, especially with the um with COVID, and all of us starting to socialize again a little bit closer. Like there's so many new or I guess normal interactions that are coming back into our life again. And it's complex yeah. to navigate, especially if you were on something that would be like a really strict diet. So that's been on my mind and heart a lot lately with our clients, with our members, with conversations with friends and families are just like. How do we, you know, still maintain that nourishment side of things like taking care of our physical body and also balance like going out to social gatherings a little bit more, going out to eat or having, you know, friends and family over and balancing those enjoyment foods. So it's really Mm -hmm. been on my mind a lot, too. And a lot of the times I think assessing our mindset You know, a lot of the times when I talk about mindful eating, it can be really, you know, tangible and tactile with like, we were talking about little tips of setting the utensils down or deep breathing before, but a lot of my mindful nutrition method and that philosophy is really about three pillars, which is like, yes, mindful eating, of course we, we have to tend to that, but it is also about your mindset and getting your mindset Mm -hmm. positive and right, if you will. And then also your lifestyle habits. And so mindset, especially if we're in a state of imbalance, like we were just talking about really restricted or restrained or stressed or tapped out on our thoughts and emotions or we're emotionally eating, like having that mindset freed up where you are practicing more balance with it um, can be really freeing. And that sensation of freedom when you let go of that all or nothing mentality or the perfection or trying to get it right or trying to go all in you can really help yourself like get closer to that middle spectrum. So one thing that I keep bringing up to that actually might be a nice little exercise for everybody if you are really curious about balanced eating too, or just to make mm-hmm. this a little bit more of an exercise that everybody can use like today, tomorrow, this weekend, when you're going out with your friends and your family, mm-hmm. thinking about this balance again, cause it could be such an abstract terminology and concept to get, but if you picture a sliding scale And so on one end of that scale, you picture all of those foods or even other ways of nourishing yourself, like support, accountability, talking to your friends and family, like prioritizing fiber, getting sleep, drinking water. All of those things are really, really deeply nourishing for your physical body on one side. And then yes, Mm -hmm. on that other side of the scale, picturing all of those choices that you can make. Again, whether you're in social situations or you're by yourself, that are food choices that are just for like pure enjoyment or even Mm -hmm. out of emotions like making your, you know, your grandmother's brownie recipe or having pizza while watching the new Gossip Girl on HBO or grabbing (laughs) ice cream on your way like home from work just because you feel like it. So you have these Mm -hmm. two sides of it like we were talking about and both of them are necessary. Both of them are Mm -hmm are part of balanced eating. They're not good or bad, like either one isn't good or bad, but in the middle of it is where you are in. So you're in that middle, Mm -hmm. you're this little marker that's constantly sliding back and forth from one side to the other. And you're trying to stay pretty close to the center. And that marker is you. Mm -hmm. So you wanna be constantly experiencing both sides of that scale, which creates that balanced relationship with food that we're talking about again whether in social scenarios or by yourself but we also want to have like the time and space and energy to sli- slide back like like slow and steady we don't want to yeah. be a pendulum and be like okay yes, i'm all in and i'm perfect and i'm eating all yes. these amazing smoothies and green smoothies but then on the weekend i go and binge eat and i you know maybe drink too much with my friends and then i'm right back at it so that's not mm-hmm. it cuz that's that's like this all or nothing pendulum swinging and that really creates imbalance over time. So if mm. you're in those scenarios, just think a little bit like, okay, where am I at right now on that balance spectrum? And can I like just do one little thing, one little practice that like gets me closer to the middle. And that could be such a powerful tool for people to use in the moment. It could be a great reflection tool. So if you are journaling, you can be like, okay, today, how did I quote, do overall today? Like, where was my balance spectrum today? So it's such a great tool to, to implement just to check, check yourself and see where that is. Mm -hmm. So I love, I love a little key takeaway moment. So I hope that's helpful.
1: That's super helpful because I think that is where a lot of us are on the pendulum, what you brought up. And I was thinking that's kind of like the the go-to. It's like, okay, I'm going to be really good this week because I have this vacation next week and I need to do this. But then when I get to that vacation, I'm going to go balls to the wall and then feel horrible after. And it's just the swinging back and forth. But if you can kind of be in the middle, I think it also – an idea like that kind of removes a little bit of the anxiety that is we put so much around food and eating and meals because – I don't know, especially for women, there's like so much mindset that goes into how we eat, how we show up to a meal that it's even more than just what we're eating. So I think that that is such a key um, tool that we can kind of utilize because it, it's less extreme. It's more like implementable, if that's a word, <laughs> into like yeah. the next day. Um, so I love I love that.
0: Yeah. You bring up such a great point, Sydney. It's, it's like giving ourselves permission mm-hmm. to be flexible, giving ourselves that space to experience all of those sides of that you know spectrum and and slide back and forth and relieving some of that pressure to mm-hmm. just do one thing or to just hang out on hang out on one side to always get it right to always be perfect it's more of like I mean life is like that we ebb and flow we have different chapters we wake up every day have different experiences and conversations and emotions so, you know, our food is a lot like that. It really reflects like what's going on in our life, but at least be open to the idea that it can be flexible mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be so strict or rigid and labeled that right or wrong.
1: Yeah, again, like people will go into something with all the best intentions, but there's so much around it that you kind of have to unpack and it it's taking simple steps like that that's gonna help you lead, lead you in the right direction of like that balance, that nourished life. For the people that don't really aren't really there yet or are working towards that idea of nourishment? Like what are some like first steps that you can take? Because I think the idea around intuition, I think a lot of people have gotten to a point where they don't almost trust it as much because they're, they've tried many things they haven't worked out or if they've swung back and forth like on that pendulum or – even with cravings, how when you try to make uh, lifestyle shifts, you still have those cravings from before and it's kind of hard to implement them. So like, what are some first steps that you um, kind of teach to your clients to start that journey?
0: Yeah, that's an excellent question. So many people are new to this. So many people are like, what is mindful eating? Yeah. What does balance even mean? So one, the tool that we just went over, I call the balance spectrum. So that can be so helpful just to recall, to journal, to reflect on, whether that's like once a week and you can look at the whole week together or you could do that per meal, per day, but that's a really powerful tool just to start to almost self-assess because again, we are really unique. And if you're gonna be able to uniquely nourish your own body based on, again, your body, your makeup, your lifestyle, you have to have a level of self-assessment. And so that right there could be such a great starting point. Mm The other one that I would say is hunger. So instead of just thinking of checking in with yourself as quite abstract and you need a little bit more of a framework, then hunger, because hunger is represented in my teachings as like a one through 10 scale. Mm-hmm. And so I like teaching this because it is really tangible. So I'll just give everybody like a quick crash course. And um, and then I also have a ton of free resources and a free ebook on our website that gives you like a really cool chart if you're a visual person like me. Mm-hmm. But basically you can define and assess your hunger levels one through 10. One is I'm super, super full. So I always like to give the example, it might be dramatic or cliche, but holiday times. We tend to overeat, you know, food is part of that tradition. And we might feel overly full, like uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable. And so that's one extreme. Mm -hmm. And then 10 would be your quote, like hangry, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, I'm so hungry, I could eat anything. And when we're in that when we're on that side of the extreme, we tend to eat so much. We tend to eat fast, Mm -hmm. like we were saying. And also you can actually overeat because you're eating just so, so quickly. Mm -hmm. You really need like a nice 15 minutes per meal to just eat and allow your body like hunger hormones and hunger cues to like register with your brain that, Hey, I'm full. I'm good. You can stop. Mm -hmm. So in between that is a five. And that's more of like your, I might've just had a meal like an hour ago I'm not really like thinking too much about food, but when I do, I might be like thinking about, "Hmm, what what might I eat for dinner later? So it's a little bit of a neutral satiety. So you're full, you're not really like craving food. And then in between there, there's just those nuances. So like seven, you might feel like, okay, I kind of need to get like a meal in front of me right now because I'm pretty, pretty hungry and I need to eat soon. I'm thinking about it all the time. And then, you know, like a three or four on the opposite side of that scale is like, okay, I might be pushing like food away, because I'm physically feeling Mm fuller. And so, again, just thinking about where you are on that spectrum can be such a great self awareness building tool related directly to your hunger versus feeling so abstract and also like, I don't know how to trust myself yet. Mm-hmm. Cause it's been a really long time. I've been dieting. I've been, you know, reading all these plans and I've just been following exactly what they've told me mm-hmm. versus, or like eating by the clock, like I used to versus checking in with my hunger. So that's a really tangible tool. And if, if someone were to do just those two things once a week, ideally every day for a few weeks, I would think that they would start to have a more solid understanding of where they are right now and feel more confident and empowered in making those decisions that come after the assessment. Yeah,
1: I love it. It's just like a way of building trust with yourself and then with uh, your ability to like nourish yourself with your ability to like know what you need in every given moment, which I love is there like goals that you have for every meal? Because I know everyone kind of has their own idea of like how many nutrients we supposed to have or like how many macros, like what is your like nutrition strip way of like for each meal showing up for?
0: Yeah, love this question. My method is really broken down into three pillars. So you have mindful mindset, really tackling that balanced mindset. So you have more peace and ease and flexibility and even like reframing food rules like you might have from doing so many diets. And then comes in mindful eating. So I always like to tackle that mindset first before we're even really looking at the plate and then mindful living. So part of mindful eating is addressing that one side of the spectrum because yes, we have physical bodies. We absolutely do have to nourish them. So it is important that you're looking at your plate or your bowl or your smoothie and getting all of your macronutrients. So your macronutrients, I like to call them the foundational five, and it helps people get really um, simplistic about looking at food and whole foods and nutrition, both on the nutrient dense side of things and then also on the enjoyment food side of things. So there's three macronutrients, it's protein, carbs, and fat, but I like mm-hmm. to break it down a little bit more related to mindful eating. So carbohydrates are both starchy or sugary carbohydrates. So things that people I think routinely think of carbs, so like your pastas, your breads, white rice, Um, But I would even include in this category for for my sake is like dairy, yogurt, uh, fruit, honey, any of your your sugary and starchy carbohydrates. Then you have non-starchy carbohydrates, which are all of your veggies, those things that are really fiber rich. So like red bell peppers, your dark leafy greens, cucumbers, all of that good Mm -hmm. stuff. And then you have protein. So for just depending on your lifestyle, that can include both or either or animal or plant based proteins. And then you have fat. So those can be so varied, again, mostly depending on, to the proteins that you enjoy. Otherwise, like avocados, nuts, seeds, olive oils. And then the fifth one, which is really unique to our method, which is the flavor factor. It's about making mm. food fun. And so I always like to think that the flavor factor are those little last minute items that you put on a dish. So whether it's like fresh herbs or dried spices, mm. even condiments or like, Brag coconut amino acids, which I love. Um, And they taste like teriyaki sauce and then like hot sauce, anything that just makes that meal feel and taste really delicious to you and makes it unique to your Mm. food likes and dislikes. So if you have those five things or at least you're trying your best to get those five things on your plate at each meal, Mm. you're doing good enough and you're doing a great job. So if you can just think about it in that framework, that can be so, so helpful. And again, I have for those visual people, if you're like, yeah, but how does that look like on a plate? Mm -hmm. I have a little graphic um, in our free ebook on the website, or even on my Instagram, if you scroll back, but it's just a nice way to visualize what to include on your plate to meet that nourishment need.
1: Yeah. That's, it's such an easy way to kind of look at it because then you're like, it's like a checklist. Like, do I have this, this, this good, good, good. This is fiber. This is this. Um, it's nice to have that just like as a reminder. So it's less like I need to go to my fitness pal and count all of these calories or input all of these things. It's like less that just kind of like a checklist that you keep in the back of your mind, which I love. And I'm sure you feel better after every meal when you have all of those, uh, key five things that you just said.
0: Yeah, you do. And also it's so flexible mm-hmm. because you could be cooking at home and going through that checklist. Like, Hey, do I have all these, the foundational five, you could be traveling you could be at a social gathering and you could just be checking in mentally and saying like hey do i have all these five things and if i don't like can i make up for a few other ones like in the next meal or in a snack or is today just going to be a meal where i don't have all five mm-hmm. and that's okay too i might not feel as full cool yeah. cuz that's what we're really after as well is that satiety so making sure that you know you have all those um, macronutrients that work together for a reason it's like nutrition science 101 they all work together, you know, protein and fat take longer to digest. So those all work really well together and fiber from your non-starchy carbohydrates. So it's nice to get those in as much as you possibly Mm -hmm. can as, um, consistently, but it's also like, I always like to say this because even with our new mindful nutrition method members, they all are coming from that kind of diet mentality or that all or nothing mentality. So we'll see. And it's, it's just so great because we have live group coaching calls every month. And I just, I really love watching their journeys because like sometimes they'll come and be like, well, I messed up breakfast for the foundational five or lunch, or I missed this day. Like I'm doing it all wrong. I'm like, no, but that's, that's the beauty of it because one meal, if you're eating foundational five or not, isn't going to make or literally break all of the habits that you're instilling. It's all a practice. Yeah. It's all about adding them on to each other. And it's more so about the consistency. And that also teaches people that balanced mindset so that they can get out of that all or nothing or that like perfection my, perfectionist mindset around doing it perfectly or getting it right. Yeah. They can just have that permission to be flexible. Yeah. That's
1: major. Cause it's like when you're in that constraint of like, Oh, I didn't meet that one thing for the meal and that I'm ruined for the month. Like that's, it's just not sustainable in that way. And I love that you're kind of breaking that down. Cause it takes time for you to mentally rethink things. Like I, even last week, like I had my boyfriend and I were coming home late. There was no other option, but for me to eat Chick-fil-A. And I was like, uh, but then I just kind of like <laughs> chilled out and kind of just like let it happen. Cause I was just like rethinking all of the layers of stuff that I have in the back of my mind where like certain foods are bad. And I mean, yes, certain foods are better than others, but just kind of like giving myself a little bit more um, lenience and just like allowing myself to live a little. Um, I think it's super important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's so great of you to have that mindset too. And again, be flexible because Even taking that a step further, if you hadn't done that and you were just like stressing yourself out or feeling guilty or shame or beating yourself up, so to speak, that that stresses you out far more than the actual action of having that Mm -hmm. meal that, yeah, might not be the most nutrient dense quote food Mm -hmm. ever, but it's still, you know, still feeding you in a way that you're like, okay, like I can deal with it. So that's another important aspect that you had realized that I wanted to call out to for other people who are in that situation or can't even envision themselves getting stuff point. you you, you absolutely yeah, can. Yeah, it's like
1: a little dance, but it's definitely worth it for sure. Um for I know you've had a personal journey with this about like using food as a way of healing cuz I think you had experienced like your own journey with migraines and using food as almost medicine. Um, Can you talk me a little bit through kind of your journey with that and like how you help your clients who may be dealing with, as you mentioned before, like problems with bloating or like IBS or migraines or anything that could be food related?
0: Yeah, that's such a great question. I like to put on my dietitian hat as well, because within the Mindful Nutrition Method program, we do give everybody all of the mindful eating and balanced eating, you know, tips, the tools, the strategies, the support, all of that but there are a lot of people who have health conditions mm-hmm. that are really specific. So whether it's like food intolerances, sensitivities, um, thyroid conditions, blood sugar imbalances. So those, those folks who have health conditions absolutely need that extra one-on-one support. Mm-hmm. And so what that looks like is a lot of what I kind of you know discovered figuring out migraines too, but it's really working alongside a dietitian, making sure that number one, I always like to get like the two dimensional stuff figured out. So labs and making Mm -hmm. sure we're assessing not just the diet, but what else is going on? Are you on any supplements and all that good stuff? So I really did that um, when I was in graduate school, just figuring it out. And I didn't actually intend to do that. I was just guinea pigging a bunch of diets Mm -hmm. because as a student in dietetics, I really wanted to be fully empathetic. Mm with potential clients that I had in the future who maybe were vegan or paleo or keto. And also I was just very, very curious and I was a sponge for learning. So I had the intention of just learning, but throughout that process, when I was trying out all these different diets and, you know, all of that, I tried an elimination diet after working with an RD as well. And as a student, and that really helped me start to at least get more of an idea and a self-awareness from my own eating habits. And so for me, migraines were for sure on the lifestyle component um, caused by a lot of stress and also like unresolved stress or not even just having like a proper stress management mm. tool or system or routine in my life and so that was monumental when i got that in order but from the nutrition and the diet side of things dairy for me was something that just caused terrible stomach pains digestive issues acne on my face my chest my back to the point where i was so self conscious mm. Um, But once I started to just understand a little bit about how food played a role in my migraines, like so dairy was one of them, but even more so I was on that whole, like low fat train, sugar free this, there were so many just food products versus actual whole foods that I was eating at the time. And so really transforming that over time helped me really manage all of that. And I I truly believe that it's a full circle. It's not just one pillar of health, like nutrition. It really is thinking about other areas like stress or sleep, your support, your accountability systems. So they all really work well together, even mindset, you know, so all of those things over time to help me decrease migraines. So, I mean, this has been over 15 years now, um, so I haven't had migraines since, yeah, since my like late late teens, wow. early twenties when I started that journey.
1: Wow, that's amazing! It's just like another reminder of like you can feel better with the right steps, with the right people, like you, um, the right coaches to kind of walk you through that, and and just not getting to, out of that place of pain is like so important. And I love that you are helping people to do that. Um, for anyone that's kind of like overwhelmed by food or like wanting to start this journey or wanting to like take those next steps, like, what is your advice to someone that might feel just like overwhelmed by it all or just like doesn't really feel like they can take that first step? What do you recommend, I guess, for starting? And then, two, from what you've seen from your clients, like how does everyone feel after going through a journey with you or after making these changes? Like how do you want um, the people that go on this like nutrition strip plan? Like how do you want everyone to feel and show up in their lives after that process?
0: Yeah. Oh, those are amazing questions. So I think the first part outside of like those key items that we talked Mm -hmm. about earlier and and taking action on the balance spectrum and the hunger check-ins and foundational five, I think if... I were to give a key takeaway is for people to adopt that perspective and that mindset, that food is more than physical nourishment. It is about honoring other roles that food plays in your life. So that social, the connection, the enjoyment, and both sides of that spectrum are so important. So I think that would be like the, like the mindset, the perspective that I would love for people to just practice a Mm -hmm. little bit again and be open to practicing a little bit. And, um, Our Mindful Nutrition Method members who have been doing the method work are incredible. They are like, again, they light me up every day because I'm just the vehicle, the teacher to help guide them, Mm -hmm. but to really empower them to learn the education, to apply the tools so that after they implement it in their real life, They feel so confident. They feel empowered. They can trust themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't have to rely on me forever. Like I want them to just go through the program and be like, that's it. I'm not doing anything else. I'm good. So they feel so empowered and confident in themselves to really make those nourishment choices. Like the what to eat, why, when, how much... Yeah, I think empowerment is just the word that I keep mm. saying over and over again.
1: Yeah, I love that idea of empowerment because some people would maybe want to think of like, how can they create a program that keeps people coming back and keeps getting their money? But no, you know, your thing is it's just about like teaching people how they can be empowered themselves with your tools and then go out and be like good to go, essentially not having to keep coming back, which is wonderful.
0: Yeah, take back their power, their peace, their positivity with food and like live, live their beautiful life, having food not be mm. something that takes away from it, but that adds so much joy and pleasure to to your life.
1: I love it. It's such a good goal to have. And it is life-changing because once you have that no longer controlling your life, your mindset, then you can focus on so many other things that are, again, more important once that's just like there and on that base level of just like nourished and good for whatever your day brings, which is great. Absolutely. Last Two questions I have um, are just like my final questions that I ask everyone. First, being, what Mikkel do you want to be remembered by at the end of your days?
0: Yeah, someone who helps empower people to take that power, peace, positivity back with food and their food experience, and and also had some fun yeah. and joy made it easy along mm-hmm. the way for their journey. So, yeah, I really just I feel my purpose is to help people and so that's what I would want to be remembered by. It.
1: Um last question, just any last piece of advice that could be related to the work you do or just kind of any general advice that you can share with us?
0: I would just say, yeah, I don't know if I would have anything else extra <laughs> okay. outside of that. Food is food is physical nourishment and it's also about enjoyment. Um I would say, yeah, I do have another thing. It's about just honoring the fact that you are unique. And I think that can go a long way with keeping that in mind with your entire life, but especially with mm-hmm. nourishment and diets and food choices. And it's okay to be unique. It's okay to have those different food likes and dislikes and preferences and to just honor that and, and be good with it. So that, I guess that would be the last little tiny bit of advice. That. that just
1: means that we went through a lot of things today and I'm so excited about that. <laughs> um Thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge and doing all that you do. Before you go, can you just tell everyone where they can find you? I know there's like so many places. You have so many courses. It's amazing. Can you just kind of drop everything here now for everyone to go look at?
0: Yes, absolutely. I think the best way to get directly connected with me, you can absolutely send me a DM on Instagram if that is a place that you like to hang out. Otherwise, um, going to my website and take the free quiz that we have, which is super mm-hmm. fun. So, especially for those of you who are beginners. If you want to figure out where you are on that balance spectrum and what type of balanced eating archetype you are, that is so great because I give you a ton of resources after you take that quiz, and then we'll be connected on our email list, and I'll give you all the weekly updates and and good things. But those are the two spots I would I would say come hang out
1: with Amazing, me at. yeah. I took that quiz last night. It was super fun. Uh, it was exciting. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I love a quiz. What oh, were you?
1: Dedicated doer. That's the one I am
0: okay yeah. yeah a lot of our community are dedicated doers I like like I said part of my journey was a dedicated doer yeah. too so yeah it's, it's so fun to take quizzes I'm also just like again biased I love quizzes, yeah, so. <laughs> all the time. it
1: like brings me back to like, like <laughs> my j14 days or like my teen vogue days where you would just like take the quiz and the <laughs> magazines that's what it brings me back to I love it
0: percent, 100%, amazing well
1: this was awesome <laughs> again I can't thank you enough for being here and just sharing everything you did with me today
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sydney. I really appreciate it. That is it
1: for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime this podcast obviously send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at something to share podcast on instagram and i'll see you next wednesday